0: You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s.
1: They didn't go for a lot of little jokes. They let us work up to what I would call a big belly laugh that would bring applause from the audience. I mean, they were powerful lines.
0: Actress Audrey Meadows. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Well, it was on this date, October 1st, 66 years ago, that one of the most popular, the most enduring, the most iconic situation comedies in television history was born.
2: Jackie Gleason.
0: The Honeymooners! Set mostly inside a plain With two stars, room apartment Art in Brooklyn, Carney. The Honeymooners set a new standard Audrey for situation Meadows. comedies. Captained by the comic genius of Jackie Gleason, the cast also included the versatile Art Carney, Joyce Randolph, and of course, playing the long suffering wife of Ralph Crampton, Audrey Meadows as Alice a classically beautiful actress who purposely downgraded her looks for the role, Audrey Meadows as Alice also proved to be a formidable counterpoint to the irascible Ralph Cramden.
2: Men have done all the great things since the beginning of time. will give you a perfect example. There'd be no America if it wasn't for Christopher Columbus.
1: There'd be no Christopher Columbus if it wasn't for his mother.
2: Something happened to me today that is probably and without a doubt one of the finest things that's ever happened to me in my life. There isn't anything in the world that could have happened to me that's better than what happened to me today. And if you guessed for a million years, Alice, for a million years, you couldn't guess what it was that happened to me today.
1: Well, there's only one thing I can think of in the way you're acting. You've been named raccoon of the year in that silly lodge of yours. (laughs) Well, I don't want to look at that icebox, that stove, that sink in these four walls. I want to
0: look at Liberace! In 1994, Audrey Meadows wrote a memoir of her years on The Honeymooners. It was a book called Love, Alice. And there's no way I was going to pass up the chance to meet this woman and interview her. After all, I'd been watching The Honeymooners since I was a toddler. And I have to confess, I was more than just a little bit starstruck. So here now from 1994, Audrey Meadows.
1: Well, you know, I got so much mail through the years, year after year, from fans saying, Oh, I hope you'll write a book, Miss Meadows. Or when, do you, when are you going to write a book? Or why don't you write a book? And whenever I would tell some of the funny stories that are in there about Jackie, people would say, Oh, you should write a book. And actually, it was Carol Mathau, you know, Walter's mm-hmm. wife, who talked me into writing a book. We met each other at a, a large Christmas party, and we got chatting. And she said, oh, Audrey, you've got two or three books in you right now. You should start. And this was not what I had in mind as my first book. And somehow this just, um, I was, how should I say it? The angels forced me to do it for (laughs) Jackie. Well, you never intended this to be a full-fledged autobiography. No, no, no. I couldn't think of anything more boring than writing an autobiography about myself. <laughs> I like to read the other people's biographies. But uh, as a matter of fact, several of the publishers that wanted the book said, uh, you you really should put more of yourself in it. I said, I don't want to. That's not my aim. I said, I put just enough in to lead into a story or to establish the the time, you know, that... that uh, these things took place. Do you think I would
0: be inaccurate if I were to guess that were he still alive, Jackie would have said, Audrey, you should have put more of yourself. He was just that generous a kind of guy. Yes,
1: he was. He was the most generous star and sensitive, wonderful man. One of the reasons I really wanted to write this was I um, was so disheartened by books that had been written about Jackie that didn't present the entire man. They, they, they wanted to take a certain position, and stay with it. And uh, to the th- I've had people ask me things like, well, you heard he was a tyrant. He was the opposite of a tyrant. He never acted like a big star. We were like a repertory company. And uh, once I got used to the fact that he didn't want to rehearse, it was the greatest job I ever had. I only went to work on Saturday.
0: I suspect people uh, confuse being demanding and idiosyncratic with being a tyrant. There's a distinction.
1: No, I think, some. you know, these things get around. Somebody starts a story. Somebody maybe had a um, little problem, you know, with Jackie maybe, and they start a story. Oh, they just didn't like him. You know, you can't have everybody thinking you're the greatest. But, uh, no, their one book started out having him in a rage from... The time he was a young man, on and also drunk and a, uh, uh, overeating, and uh, you know, just describing it as an ugly thing. Jackie was a good eater; he he could well, was a good trencherman. <laughs> he could put the food away, but and he also liked to drink, but he was not an alcoholic. He never ever touched a drop on a Saturday, and I worked five years. 39 weeks a year and then in the 70s went back and did a lot of specials with him and he was dead set against anybody taking a drink before the show now he'd drink during the week he'd go to tootsies and belly up to the bar (laughs) and i do mean belly up to the bar
0: (laughs) now see for years my dad was convinced as much as he loved jackie he was Mm -hmm. convinced that in that little teacup when he'd take Mm -hmm. the sip and go wow that that was more than just a cup of coffee that's right
1: no not at all. Well, that was the impression he wanted to give. <laughs> yes.
0: yeah. But you know, something else, uh, another observation that both my parents made that you, that you have confirmed was that despite his size, he was
1: a hefty gentleman, mm-hmm. he was remarkably agile and remarkably versatile. Yes, and he was so light on his feet. We had to dance a couple of times in honeymooner shows. And he was just like a feather. It's amazing. He was physically could do anything. Oh, he would do some really difficult uh, sketches that uh, you had to be like an acrobat to do.
0: do. You know, I have to tell you, the first time I saw the episode where he was the janitor and got stuck between the pipes. Yeah.
2: Will you just stay out of this and let me handle it? Yeah. What's the matter? I'm stuck. You're stuck? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold, 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 hold everything. I'll give you a little push now. Wait a minute. Just. <laughs> Look, maybe if I get out of here and you get in here, you can reach. That'll do it. That'll do it. I'm small. I mean, I hate to embarrass you or anything like that, but, you know, you're just a little too chubby. Now, oh, shut up.
0: I was, I was just a little kid, and I got yeah. scared by that because yeah. I thought I was worried for this man caught between the pipes and the steam is coming out and the, the noise and everything like this. <laughs> in later years, I've learned to laugh. It's a, it's a yes. terrific episode, but he really did get stuck in there?
1: Yeah, not that, <laughs> not that solidly stuck that he couldn't get out, but uh, they had tested it, of course, with somebody who wasn't his size. Because there was nobody else on the show his size. (laughs) Our producers were thin. I was very thin. They weren't going to use me as a test for him.
0: I have often wondered, too, that it must take somebody of remarkable self-assurance to be able to build so many gags around
1: his size. Yes, absolutely. I suppose you forgot that all this stuff has to go back, too. Every bit of it. All that is except your suits, Ralph. The tailor can't take those back. He doesn't know any elephants that need a new water.
2: This is probably the biggest thing I ever got into.
1: The biggest thing you ever got into was your pants. (laughs) Well, put some butter on your finger and then slip the ring off.
2: Butter on my finger at 89 cents a pound? Will you stop throwing my money around? Isn't there any lot here?
1: Yeah, about 300 pounds.
0: I mean, he when Alice holds up a pair of pants that are as wide yes, as a tent—yes,
1: <laughs> wide <laughs> as our kitchen table—yeah, yeah, yes. He, it never bothered him because he knew that it uh, brought tremendous laughs. And actually, I think Jackie, rather than a tremendous star's ego or a boring star's ego, you know, there's some people that uh, we don't have to mention that uh, <laughs> are, you know, narcissistic. Jackie had the greatest self-confidence I've ever seen in my life. Whatever he wanted to do, he did, and knew he could do it. And that was a tremendous asset to him.
0: It also strikes me, though, that he knew that he had to have three other acting geniuses around him to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. Exactly. I
1: wouldn't just... (laughs) I'm not going to buy the geniuses. (laughs) But, uh, no, where the chemistry works... And you never know that until you go to work. And his his uh, uh, idea of not rehearsing was absolutely right, not to over-rehearse comedy. Of course, he took it to extremes, which was <laughs> go through it once in your own clothes and then pray a lot.
0: <laughs> but that was part of the fun even now you watch yeah. those 39 episodes and to see the things that obviously even a even a kid can figure out that wasn't supposed to happen
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it, the show goes on yeah. it just there's but you know Art and I would take uh, an actor actress up to our dressing rooms after the uh, quick run through Um because they'd start twitching. They got so nervous when they realized there was not going to be any more <laughs> rehearsal. And we'd take them up and we'd go over the moves and the lines with them. And we'd just move around normally. And they'd say, Oh, no, I was standing there at rehearsal. And we'd say, Well, tonight Jackie may be standing there. So what you do is you just give way. Well, if anybody was in his way, I'm sure you've seen him shove me a hundred times, and he would just take his elbow and sort of push you out of the way, like people do if if, it's crowded. And the set was very small, which was wonderful for comedy. They can ruin a gag by building a great huge set and have you say a comedy line to somebody who's a mile away. It's, it's remarkable how much you were able to
0: accomplish, storyline-wise. In that... Just a little, tiny little space. Tiny space. You can get
2: the television set you want, the washing machine you want, you can get the vacuum cleaner you Ralph, want. Ralph,
1: you don't have to get me any of those things. We got them already.
2: What are you talking about? We got them.
1: Sure, there's our television set over there. Don't you remember, Ralph? That's the one you bought out of the profits of that surefire investment of yours. Remember? The new invention that was going to do away with electric lights? Wallpaper that glows in the dark. <laughs> oh, I loved that kitchen. Loved it.
0: After this short break, the little white lie Audrey Meadows told that Jackie Gleason always fell for. Her. Now back to my 1994 conversation with Audrey Meadows. Apparently a lot of people are always wondering what the bedroom looked like. We never showed it. I I thought, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought the, the sleepwalking episode was, was or was no. that the Norton's
1: bedroom? Uh, Norton's. Ah. They showed the Norton's bedroom. They had the nicer part. <laughs> we never showed ours. We thought it was enough to show our kitchen living room.
0: <laughs> I suppose we could extrapolate and maybe yours was broadly similar
1: to theirs. Uh, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> I visualize it as very simple, like the kitchen but uh, a great big bed are are, and, are you able to confirm at this point or
0: if you if uh, ralph and alice had separate beds
1: oh no no they didn't have <laughs> separate beds but one side sagged terribly <laughs> and i think alice used to roll to the east wherever the, <laughs> her husband was and i think she had little things around that maybe he won at carnivals for her you know something else something else that
0: many people from TV shows in the 50s and 60s have have said in their books is that you never
1: realized that the shows would still be going years and years. I know and Isn't years it incredible. <laughs> we didn't think about that at all. We were just glad we had a steady job. I <laughs> went to work every week. And the lovely thing about working just Saturdays is we could work on other shows all during the week. I did so many shows. I used to meet myself coming and going. <laughs> but uh I used to look forward to Friday night because very often the script didn't arrive till Friday afternoon or Friday night. He used to. The first year, uh, we didn't have the copying machines and the uh, stuff that's available today that makes life so much easier. Uh, I think. Does it really make life easier? <laughs> <This> computer, <laughs> just <speeds> it computer. <laughs> yeah, it speeds it up. But um, <clears throat> either one of his producers, they're both named Jack or Jackie himself would call me and apologize and say they haven't quite finished the script, but uh, they're working on it, and uh, we're all going to dinner. Come on, we're going to dinner. And being very naive about their hours, I would go to dinner, and we'd have a marvelous dinner, and then Jackie would say, come on, we're all going to the village, because he loved Dixieland jazz. And we would sit there, and the music would be going a mile a minute, and I would sneak a look at my watch every once in a while because I wanted to get back and see that script. I didn't have his staggering (laughs) uh, self-confidence. And it would get so late and he said, oh, stay for another set, odd. So I finally wised up about the third or fourth time Then (laughs) invited me for dinner and uh, I said, oh, I have to go to the ladies' room. So I went right out the door and got in a cab and I went home. It was late and I wanted to learn that script. So the next time but a script was late, and they called to invite me for dinner. I said, ''Oh, Jackie, I have a date.'' He said, ''Oh, good, Odd, bring him along, bring him <laughs> along.'' I said, ''Well, if you don't mind, I would rather not bring him along.'' I said, ''I think, Jackie, you know, this, this guy's pretty attractive, and you never know, this might really lead to something.'' He was such a romantic, it was the only way that I could get out of it. He said, oh, say no more, have a good time. And I hung up the phone, I went in the kitchen, and I made myself a pan of fudge and a great big bowl of popcorn, (laughs) and I got into bed and I watched television until they rang the bell and delivered the script. So from then on, I had popcorn and fudge with my imaginary date. (laughs) I've often, uh, you, I'm
0: sure, have been asked many times of those original 39. Do you have a favorite? Gosh, what
1: I I can't separate them in my mind from the lost (laughs) episodes. Um, I don't. I know the adoption show is not on the classic 39. Is the one where we went into the? You know it better than I do. (laughs) Bill is the one where we entered the amateur contest, and he didn't want us to go, Trixie and myself, to go in it. No, that's, that's not on it. No. Oh, that was a wonderful show. Oh, my gosh. (laughs)
0: The thing about those 39 was uh, that when uh, there was a station in Chicago when I was growing up Mm -hmm. that showed them every weeknight so that every about every six, seven weeks, they'd start Start over again. again. And we could watch them every week. The whole family would sit around and we'd watch them, and we'd laugh fresh
1: every single time. Isn't it amazing? Well, you know, that's the writing. That's the writing. When you... I couldn't wait to get those scripts. They were so powerfully written. And they didn't go for a lot of little jokes. They let us work up to what I would call a big belly laugh that would bring applause from the audience. I mean, they were powerful lines. The man from Space Outfit always did it for oh, us. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs>
2: And you see the faces on them down there when I walk in with this? You gotta admit it, Alice. You gotta admit it. When the chips are down, I'm ready to go. The wheels are turning up here at all times. Well, what do you think? I think you're nuts.
1: But you know, when we did the Classic 39, we did them exactly like the live show. We did two a week, two half-hours a week. We had Monday off, waiting for the script. We went in and did a show on Tuesday. Call would be around 2 o'clock in the afternoon to go on at 8. Wednesday and Thursday, we were off, got the script Thursday, went in and did a show Friday. Now, no one can do a half-hour show today without a full five days. And then you work late but the beauty of I think doing the live the the days of live shows even the dramatic shows it's just like Broadway theater or theater anywhere you can't stop and say to the audience oh gee I'm sorry I made a mistake or oh god I forgot that line again you can't do that but today they stop the tape and the warm up guy goes out again So the energy level is gone, the pace is gone, and then when they're ready to do it again, they ask the audience to laugh or applaud in the same place. Well, the audiences do it. They're like trained seals. It's wonderful. (laughs) I think it's the same audience that moves around in a bus because they're very good audiences. But then again,
0: that also gives him plenty of clips to show on America's uh, funniest yeah, uh, outtakes of the exactly. bloopers. Exactly, yes. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think you'll ever see a Honeymooners blooper, will you? Because there, there, there weren't no. any. They're in the show. They're in
1: the show, <laughs> yes. Like Chef of the Future. Uh, oh.
0: Tell me, oh, Chef of the Future, can it
2: cory apple? Oh, it can cory apple. <laughs>
1: That <laughs> Apple, yes, that actually, I always call it Chef of the Future, but it's uh, the title of it is uh, Better Living Through TV. That's right. That's right. And of course, when he did his pain bit, hitting his thumb, uh, he had no intention of hitting that flat or thinking it would go over. And when that went over flat on the floor because it wasn't anchored properly and nobody had, you know, they didn't, we didn't check our props. They didn't check the, the scenery. <laughs> and then when Art went to pick him up, went right on top of him any other show today that would be redone immediately and fixed properly. Well,
0: even the other night I was watching the the TV or not TV Mm -hmm, episode, mm -hmm. and Ralph comes home with the bags of chips and the bags of Mm -hmm. popcorn, and he opens the first one, okay, opens the second one, and the third one, he just kind of struggles a little bit, and it pops wide open, and everything goes all over the place, and he starts to giggle a little bit, because it struck him so funny. And uh, my dad said, that wasn't supposed to happen. That's right. That's (laughs) right. What pleasure, what joy you have given us all these years. Oh, it's such fun.
2: Baby, you're the greatest.
0: Audrey Meadows died in 1998, just five days before her 74th birthday. And you can find easy Amazon links to Audrey Meadows' book at our website, heardeverything.com. And while you're at heardeverything.com, be sure and listen to my interview with another classic TV icon. Don nuts. I hadn't seen
2: Andy in a long time. I thought, you know what, he needs a deputy. He didn't have one in the pilot. So I called him up and he said, that's a good idea. Let's
0: go talk to him. And my conversation with the great Carl Reiner. Rob Petrie was about my days on the show of shows as a writer, actor on the staff and living in New Rochelle with my wife. Not uh, Laura. Laura is a name I always use. Would you do me a favor? If you liked today's episode, would you tell a friend about Now I've Heard Everything? We post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, and you can find our entire backlist, every episode we've ever had, this is season three now, at heardeverything.com. And thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything... One of the geniuses behind many of our other cultural icons of the past six decades or so, Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies animator, Chuck Jones. So when he sent the drawing back to Bugs Hardaway, he put on there Bugs hyphen bunny. We were not terribly profound, but when we looked up (laughs) and saw this thing and it said Bugs Bunny, well, naturally all the Catholics looked up and said, okay, God, we'll take it from here. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.